Hello, everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk Podcast. This is Amy Bisson here with Mickey Dumont. We're the podcast twins and the host of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcast, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members, and we will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. With the passage of the Student Opportunity Act last November, state funding, or Chapter 70 monies, will be increasing for Lowell Public Schools. That is good news, and of course, we are thrilled. But this infusion of restored funding over the next seven years requires all of us to think in a different way. We need to shift our mindsets away from what is lost when a school district is underfunded and instead focus on what is possible. As Paul says, we need an abundance mentality. In the next weeks, public schools like Lowell will begin the process of deciding which priorities should be restored first, etc., and we will begin the process of rebuilding what has been cut from our public school budgets. In an effort to ensure that our members' voices are heard, the UTL created a survey challenging our members to begin imagineering or thinking about what our schools, our classrooms, and our students need. So we've asked our UTL president, Paul Georges, to talk with us today about the importance of this survey and how your participation in the survey will help the UTL to advocate for all of you. So, All right, so we're here today with Paul, and Paul, we've got a, a member survey out. Tell us a little bit about that. How's that Come well, about. well, the idea with the Student Opportunity Act, there'll be there'll be significant monies coming into districts across the state, primarily urban districts, uh, large urban districts like Lowell, Gateway Cities, and so on. Um, and we know that money is intended to improve the quality of education and services to students uh, across the Commonwealth, and we want to make sure that it's used in that way. There are a number of things that need attention, obviously, but prioritizing what needs to be attended to sure. is the most important. Uh, essentially, what we've found uh, here in Lowell and many other gateway cities across the Commonwealth is our, our belief is the adults in the system should be solving or trying to eliminate as many impediments as possible towards uh, teachers' teaching and mm -hmm. students' learning. That's our primary function, that's what our goal is, and that's what we need to keep as a focus. Absolutely, yes. However, very often we haven't done a real good job at that. We know the infrastructure issues in Lowell have uh, created significant uh, impediments to uh, students learning. Um, temperatures, heat, you know, lack of heat, lack of air conditioning, lack of materials, the constant cutting back through maybe a decade and a half of austerity has not helped. Certainly the last decade has been about 10 to 12 years since 2008 uh, has created some, some uh, a, a whole austerity mindset where we continue to cut, cut, cut in order to try to keep the ship afloat. Um, and consequently many of the vital services the students need, they have not received and we want to make sure that money uh, is spent in a way that accommodates their needs and other needs throughout the district. So one way of doing it is to identify what teachers see as the greatest impediments they face 
on a daily basis in that classroom. And who better to inform us about that than the people who are right there? Exactly, because because others will have different ideas about mm -hmm. what represents the greatest impediment. Some may say school committees members, some may say, you know, superintendents, administration, high administration, and I, I think all of them will have their opinion. We wanted the opinion of the practitioners themselves. In order to most faithfully use this money, it seems to me and us that we eliminate those impediments as much as possible so that teachers can learn, uh, teachers can teach and students can learn. We want to know what the impediments are. We want to know what the, the practitioners um, opinion is of how to best solve those problems mm -hmm. and the third part of this is to try to see what kind of contract language might address those issues so they don't reappear in the future as impediments to learning in the long term so that's a, that's the focus of, of, of the of the, the survey um, it takes about 15 minutes to do it which you know obviously uh, people have busy lives and so on yeah but we're hoping to get as much feedback as possible so we can, we can, having the opinion of so many of our practitioners I think is powerful in trying to, to persuade or convince uh, the people who are in charge of spending the money, which is mm -hmm. largely school committees across the state, um, in focusing those, you know, those funds in a way um, that are most productive and helpful to teachers in doing their job and for students to be able to get a quality education. Now we understand this is a long-term, this is a long-term sort of uh, situation where you're looking at seven or eight years of continued funding. Sure. Um, as long as the state continues to honor its commitment. Right. Um, and, and you're trying to make up for a lot of areas that have been lost over mm -hmm. an extended period of time. So not everything will be done overnight. However, we want the things that are creating the greatest problems to be addressed first. Right. So right. it's a matter of knowing what the issues are from a practitioner's perspective, getting their advice on how best to solve those problems, a best way to help them, give them the resources they need to be able to be effective teachers and students to be able to get a quality education. And then to look at the possibility of creating some kind of contract language to make sure that it's ensured on the contract that these kinds of issues don't appear again in the absolutely, future. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that's the need of it. So uh, we we have the survey open right now. Correct. Uh, we're thinking we may close it by the end of the month, which is Friday. But you know, if we have a great influx, I think we can be flexible there. I, I agree. It's I agree. it's important for our members to feel empowered to do this. Yeah, um, because we can't, we can't effectively represent them in trying to persuade yeah. if necessary, or at least, you know, uh, unless they respond. I mean, there's a couple of things. A great response means that there is a great need, but it also means that teachers' voices will be heard collectively mm -hmm. uh, through this survey. And it can't be ignored when mm -hmm. you have large numbers of people responding. Um, that's why it's so critical that they do re that we're asking people to take the time to do it. We're not asking them to go to a school committee meeting, you know, a budget hearing yet, mm -hmm. or any of that. However, their input right now is 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 critically needed, um, and hopefully we can share that uh, share that in a, in a tactful way that's not necessarily you know the. Um, in a tactful way, in a kind of universal way, let's put it that way. Yeah. 
um, with the, with school committee superintendent and so on to try to make sure that those those needs are addressed. Yeah, so there's communication problems all the time because sometimes the principal there may be a reluctance on the principal to acknowledge some some difficulties that yes, are happening in a school yes. because they think it reflects on them. Um, you know, uh, it brings me back to a day when Chris Scott was here, superintendent of schools, where she had a no blame, no shame mindset. Mm -hmm. Information was more important than assigning, assigning blame to any individual. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of a philosophy we work with, but we have to know the facts. We have to know what the impediments are before we yeah. can try to address them. And we have now, at least there's a positive sign, that we have some resources in order to be able to address those struggles. All, all strong reasons to participate in the survey. It is entirely confidential. Absolutely. Um, and, and I would say, I think there's even a greater need to get participation from the um, Renaissance schools that mm -hmm. are now, there, there are plans going forward. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much of the plan is designed by a smaller group of people or a larger group of people. Yeah. But if we find that in a Renaissance school there are certain, how can I put it, schematic difficulties that they're they're addressing and they're underplayed in the in the uh, the improvement plan, we can at that point we have the information to say the majority yeah. of your teachers here, yeah. not identifying individuals in any way. But the majority of your teachers and your paraprofessionals feel as though this is a greater priority than what you are addressing. And so why don't we, that gives us some At least it starts a conversation. It starts a conversation where we, can, where we can lobby to make sure that the things that concern the teachers the most are the ones that are addressed first. Yes. Yeah. This, this sounds like an excellent opportunity for people to weigh in, give their opinions, and for the UTL to uh, advocate for them in the strongest way possible. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm on the advisory committee now for the, for the planning. Um, we will have a voice at EDC. And when you get back with the data that you need, uh, you certainly feel a lot, lot more comfortable making assertions. Yes. Too many times we've heard in some schools where the word coming through uh, administrative sort of openings is that that's not really whatever it may be is not really an issue as mm -hmm. we have something quite different mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for teachers to speak for themselves so that we can speak for them yeah uh, collectively and, and with hard Some facts authority. <laughs> yeah cold hard facts exactly all right so, all right Paul so we're continuing to push the survey out yeah I, uh, just uh, please take the, the the 15 minutes or so that it takes to uh, fill it out be as thorough as you possibly can yeah. Uh, the greater the greater input, uh, the great the greater number of the people who participate, the greater impact it can have, and the greater legitimacy yeah. our assertions will have. Perfect. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, Paul. All right. Take care. So, as you've just heard, this member survey is an important way for the UTL to advocate for your priorities. We thank Paul for speaking with us today on this podcast episode, and we also thank all of our members who, to date, have contributed thoughtful and important responses to our survey. It will remain open for at least the balance of January 2020, and if you have not had an opportunity to respond to the survey, we ask you to please do so before the end of January when we will begin the process of analyzing those responses. If you have difficulty accessing the survey or if you need the link, 
please email utl495communications at gmail.com to let us know, including your full name, school, and the UTL unit in the email. We will be able to get right back to you. We once again thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope that if you enjoy what you hear, you will subscribe to our podcast using Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator. As always, we welcome your general comments and feedback. And if you have suggestions for future podcast topics, or if you are aware of a UTL member who might be willing to share experiences or expertise, please send us an email at our podcast website, utlstraighttalk at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Amy Bisson and Mickey Dumont, and we wish you a fabulous week. Thank you.